Let's hear some of that movie chat. Credits roll by and I tip my hat. Credits roll by, I wanna know more right away. Let's have some of that movie chat. Credits roll by, tell me who did that. Life in the credits is where I wanna play. Welcome to Life in the Credits. This is the show where we learn about movies by chatting with people who work in the industry. I'm Susan. And I'm Ben. Today we'll be discussing the film that asks the question, how do you like them apples? We watched Goodwill Hunting. And joining us today is our special guest, actor Derek Smith. Hey, Derek. Hi, guys. Hello, Derek. How are you doing? So far, so good. We'll yeah. see how that goes. <laughs> Very good. Thanks for joining us tonight. We're going to talk about Goodwill Hunting in just a minute, but before we get to that, we wanted to chat with you for a couple minutes. Um, can you tell us, first of all, uh, so you're an actor in L.A., um, what kind of projects have you been in so far? Uh, I always feel a little bit like Troy McClure. <laughs> that might be a bit of an old reference for your listeners. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I've done most Everyone loves The Simpsons. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Mostly TV, some film, uh, some theater, some commercial work. Um, I don't, people might know me from, I, I did a show on Netflix called What If with Renee Zellweger. Yeah. I've been on episodes of Westworld, uh, Narcos, Mexico, Project Blue Book, Grey's Anatomy, CSI, Criminal Minds, stuff like that. Uh, yeah. And just, I also has, have worked uh, or for a while there, I worked in commercial casting as a commercial associate. So I, I know the industry from another side as well, which is kind of interesting. Well, that's oh, interesting. cool. Very I cool. I did not know that. I do want to ask about the commercial casting thing. Um, cause I did not know that, but, um, first, what kind of path did you take to either the, either your acting career or your commercial casting career or both? How did you, what were the, some of the steps you took or how did you find yourself in this industry? Yeah. Um, I had a massive quarter life crisis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, uh, my senior year of college, I was getting a degree in political science, had big plans to go to law school and, uh, had a, had a pretty serious breakup that had me questioning, everything. Um, so yeah, I, uh, was, uh, flailing a bit there for a while, ended up getting a job at Google and just, uh, was surrounded by people who were really excited to be there. And I was more terrified that I was going to blink and be 50 and be in the same cubicle and that I needed to get out there and explore a little bit. And, uh, yeah, so I gave myself a, <clears throat> a three month window at Google to like see if there was other things in there. And day 76, I put in my two weeks notice, yeah. bought a ticket to Costa Rica to go uh, volunteer at a wildlife reserve and uh, also applied to an acting school uh, at the same time, just to, just to explore it. It had always been a curiosity, I guess. Wow. So, uh, yeah. So uh, I got in, it was a six week summer program. They offered me a scholarship for the year program following that and uh the rest is sort of history that's awesome wow that's incredible did you, did you make it to costa rica or did you not go i did there for two and a half months that was an epic trip for sure very cool and then how did you break into the acting world well so yeah i went to school and then um it's a the place i was going is the american academy of dramatic arts and um it's a it's a conservatory it's a three-year program and uh they offered me, uh, they accepted me into the second year, but I was a little bit older than everybody because I already had a college degree and most people there, that was their college. And I just talked to a couple of my teachers there and they felt like I was ready to step out and, and give the actual business a try. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I did. And I, and I did a lot of flailing there as well because um, it, it's hard. There's no real path to success. It's just trial and error and figure it out. And that's kind of how I found my way to commercial casting, actually. Um one of the many cast 22s in the acting business is uh, 
you can't get a union job. Well, you're not supposed to get a union job unless you're in the union, but you're not supposed to be in the union unless you've already had a union job. And so like, how do you break into that? Um, Commercials are a good way because they're just such high volume. They're casting so many people all the time. And um, as long as they can justify giving you the opportunity, they don't have to pay any penalties. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a friend who had been working uh, for a commercial casting director who was taking like a leave of absence. She was going to France for a summer and offered to train me. And, uh, so I got my foot in the door there and, uh, yeah, I ended up getting some opportunities just from being there. And that's how I got my SAG card originally was through a commercial for, uh, Jimmy John's sandwiches. So uh, <laughs> that's yeah. cool. that is cool. Can you just tell us more about the field of commercial casting? Yeah. So it's basically just finding actors, finding talent for any commercial that you see on TV. And we, it's, we do some print stuff too here and there, but it's mostly like just the commercials that you see on TV, you know, anything during the Super Bowl, we probably cast some of that. And yeah, it's just really seeking talent for those spots. Cool. Interesting. Do actors apply just, you know, like try out like they would for a TV show or a movie or how do you find people? Yeah. So it's a good question. Um, really, actors don't normally apply themselves. Uh, there are certain things that we'll put out to the public and then actors can have profiles. But basically the way it works is uh, we get hired by a production company. They give us a list of the characters that they're looking for, a breakdown of the age, maybe the ethnicity, the general breakdown of what they're looking for. And we'll put it out. We'll put that breakdown out on different services. We used one called Casting Frontier. Uh, there's other ones called LA Casting. Well, actually, there's an NY Casting, but it's all the same company. It's Actors Access, really. Um, actors can create their own profiles on that and submit themselves, but more often than not, it goes out to the agents and maybe just the agents and the agents will have a roster of talent. They'll submit that talent. We'll get thousands of submissions that we have to comb through. And then we pick the people that we want to see. It's usually depending on how many roles we'll say like maybe 50 to hundred people per role for a commercial casting okay. we'll come in for the initial process. And then we'll have callback auditions after that. And then hopefully, you know, if all has gone well, you'll get the job and then you'll make the final cut and then the final cut will air and then you'll make some money. Interesting. <laughs> Since you've done that and acting, which do you prefer? Oh, acting for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. Casting has always just been uh, a way to pay the bills uh, sure. and to keep me busy and sane in between projects. Uh, as I said, it was an opportunity to, to maybe get my SAG card and just to see things from the other side, uh, which is nice. Uh, you know, you get to learn from, from the other side. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are parts of it that I enjoy a great deal. It's, it's always nice giving somebody a job, making that phone call is pretty yeah. lovely. And but, do you think uh, that experience has helped you and get jobs and sort of understand that side of the business? Yeah, it, it definitely, it, it's helped me get some commercial jobs for sure. The, the business is pretty compartmentalized. So, you know, it definitely, it hasn't helped with the theatrical side of things, I would say at all, other than just gaining a general understanding of being on camera, uh, sure. going to an audition process, really uh, more than anything, I'd say the biggest thing that I took from that, that I would love to pass on to all actors is how arbitrary it all is <laughs> and not take anything personally. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't get the job, it has so little to do with you and so many other things that are happening that are so far out of your control. Um, you know, I usually tell actors in at least the commercial uh, side of things, if you're getting called back, if you're making it to that second audition, you're doing it right. The rest of it is just out of your hands. So yeah. stop beating yourself up. Very cool. That's good advice. As an actor, I've worked on quite a few different kind of projects. Um, what are some of the differences between maybe working on a network versus working for like a streaming service? So I'm thinking, you know, you've worked on CSI, but you also worked on Westworld. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And what if is that exactly? Like yeah. Sure. So what are some of the main differences um, from your point of view? The pay structure, the okay. contracts. Other than that, it's uh, I haven't a lot of these projects I haven't been on for long enough. You know, maybe I'm only in one episode and sometimes like Westworld, that was an overnight shoot. I had one scene. It was overnight. That's all we did. So I don't really have any way of gauging how their day to day business is. Um, yeah, it really it really depends on each specific project. But as far as the streaming service goes versus network and all of that, um, yeah, I, I haven't noticed any big differences other than the contracts are different. Okay. Um, I would say that certain projects that have been like Grey's Anatomy, by the time I got there, they'd been on for 12 seasons, I think. They're a well-oiled machine. Where sure. like Project Blue Book was on their second season and they just got this influx of cash and they're like excited about it and they're figuring it out. And it, there's a lot of excitement going on, but it's not like, we're still figuring out the best way to do this, right? Yeah. So a little different in that way. But yeah, I, I haven't noticed any major differences in at least the like the way that things are on set. So it sounds like the difference would be more so like the age of the show versus what kind of service it's on or what kind of network it's on. Like if it's a show that's been on for a while, it's going to be run differently. Just yeah. you know, they've had time to figure out what sure. they're doing. And every scene is different. Some things are, yeah. you know... A, something like CSI as a procedural, again, that's a well-oiled machine, you yeah. know, even though your character is unique, that same character has been on that show literally in every episode, yeah. <laughs> right? So like, they know, you know, as an actor, you're kind of stepping in to fill this certain role and you know, like it's almost acting by number in some yeah. ways, whereas like some things are a little looser and you have a little more freedom and a little more mm -hmm. creativity. And yeah, it all just depends on the specific role, the scene, all of that stuff. Sometimes there's special effects happening. Yeah. Depending on what the show is. Sometimes you're just talking. Yeah, it's a, it's a case by case for sure. Do you have any like either favorite moments as an actor or in commercial casting? Yeah, I have a lot of them. I don't know how much, how long you want me to talk. I'll start with one that's the most rewarding moment that I've had so far is um, in What If I, I played a pansexual character who gets involved with a gay couple. And um, just the way that that specific storyline was written, it was actually, it was very grounded. In some ways, our, our storyline was the most grounded in the entire show. And it was the most loving and human and, and all of these things. And uh, that was personally rewarding in a lot of ways to see this non-heteronormative storyline told in this way that you don't often see on screen. It's becoming more common now as we're progressing, but but it's still, you know, and not you see it presented as this crazy radical thing and um so it was really rewarding for me personally just to get to be a part of that but then just the outpouring of love and support and appreciation that i got from literally around the globe because that aired everywhere yeah. um was was just amazing to be a part of and, and one of the it, this happened this ended up happening a few times but the the first one really hit me hard was i i heard from this kid who wrote to me and he said that our storyline had given him the courage to come out to his parents wow that it had changed his life in such positive ways and just to get to be a part of that was uh i mean it's it's why you do this it's the, it's the importance of of storytelling that gets lost sometimes in the day to day grind when I'm just trying to get a role and pay my bills and all of those things. I forget that like, that's part of why I got into this be to begin with. Right. Is that art has an impact and yeah. Yeah. So, so that was definitely personally a, a, a big moment for me. I had a fun one on the way to, so the audition for that, to get into that uh, project uh, was 
multi multi project. I think I did like initial read with casting and then I did a callback and then I did a producer session and then they wanted to do a chemistry read with me and the two other actors who were playing the couple that I got involved with. And that's not that normal. You don't always do chemistry reads. So, um, a lot of uncertainty there. You don't know what they're going to ask you to do, especially, you know, like some, some of these scenes that there's intimacy and are we expected to be physical in this audition? I don't know. There's just a lot of uncertainty going in. So I'm very nervous. It's my birthday actually (laughs) on this studio. They've asked me to wear something like, cause I play a go-go dancer actually. So I've been asked to wear something skin tight. Yeah. uh, You know, I'm making my way onto this studio a lot, just like trying to breathe through the nerves and um, walking down the hall. And there's this big group just kind of bombing down the hall by me. And it's uh, it's pretty clear that there's a there's a woman in the middle and it's kind of her group and the rest is kind of her entourage. And I look up and I do a double take. It's Tiffany Haddish. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So, but whatever, I'm, I'm just walking by, I'm just kind of getting out of the way and without breaking stride, she's just like power walking down the hall. She looks me up and down and she goes, dang, you look so good. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, increase the confidence walking. uh, That's why you got the part. That's I mean, I definitely, I think so. I think she gave me a little bit of her shine for that little bit. Um, because we're talking about Goodwill Hunting later, and we'll talk about this, um, how important that movie is. And in some ways, I think it's why I got into this career path. Um, I had an opportunity at one point to be a, uh, a body double slash stand in for Matt Damon, which is not, not the type of work I would normally take. It's, yeah. it's just not that there's anything wrong with it, but I feel like if that becomes your work, that, that becomes your work, you know, yeah. an actor outside of that. Mm-hmm. And so I would normally say no, but because it was Matt Damon and he normally has, he has a career guy who like is his stand in body double, but for some reason he wasn't available. This was like a, a collaboration between Stella or Artois and his water.org or nonprofit. And so they just needed somebody last minute. And I was like, absolutely. So, um, so, you know, I got to the chance to kind of be Matt Damon on set and meet him uh, really briefly and just meet somebody who had inspired me was, yeah. was a nice moment. So that was a fun one. Very um, cool. Let's see. I mean, I, I've got, like I said, I got a bunch of, I can keep going. Um, let's do one more. Okay. I have a fun one. Um, well, for me, it was fun. At least I did a, um, drop dead diva, which was a show on lifetime. Yeah. I watched that show. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of fun. And, um, they flew me out to Atlanta for that one. And, uh, anyway, so I'm on set and there's this thing that they say on set, um, when they're ready to like lock down a shot and they say, lock it up. And for me, there's a scene in Wedding Crashers where the two guys are Vince Vaughn yeah. and Wilson yeah. are arguing and they're like, lock it up. No, you lock it up. No, you lock it up. <laughs> I can't hear somebody say lock it up without saying, no, you lock it up. And like over the my course of my career, like some people get it and some people don't. So like I've started saying it kind of under my breath, but it's just like it's a reaction at this point. I can't not say it. So I'm like, no, you lock it up. And it's my second day on set. I haven't really met anybody or anything, but Brooke. Elliot, the star of the show, hears me and she, without taking a beat, she goes, no, you lock it up. And then like, <laughs> it was just this big ice breaking moment for us. And we're like, it's, it was a really long day of shooting in the courtroom, which is like very difficult and technical and, and not the most inspiring work. And uh, we ended up just cracking up all day. And uh, like, I, I consider her one of my, my real good friends at this point like she's a she's a lifelong friend and that's where it started that moment the you lock it up moment so thank you to wedding crashers for that bonding over wedding crashers is always a good way to start that's right (laughs) 
we're going to switch over to our featured film. Uh, today we're discussing the 1997 film Good Will Hunting. Uh, the movie is directed by Gus Van Sant and stars Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Dylan Skarsgård, Minnie Driver, and Robin Williams. It was written by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, and they actually won an Oscar for it. And Robin Williams actually won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor in this film. Uh, heads up, we will be spoiling the movie. Uh, it, it is from 1997, though, so you've had a shot to watch it. Susan, why don't you give us a quick breakdown? What was this movie about? Yeah, so this follows the story of Will Hunting. Um, he's from the south side of Boston. He grew up as an orphan. Um, he now works as a janitor at MIT, but he is actually a mathematical genius. Um, so he starts solving these uh, really difficult mathematical theorems uh, late at night when no other students are around or on the weekends. Um, and one of the professors discovers that he's solving these, and then that's kind of where his kind of transformation journey starts. And he really starts getting into the academic world and kind of seeing what that's about. There's a love story intertwined with Minnie Driver. Um, yeah. And he comes from a rough background. He comes from a rough background. He's not who you'd expect to be a big math genius, but um, that's kind of the basis of the story is that sort of and, underdog story, yeah. fish out of water. And he's required to then see therapy, so he has to talk to Robin Williams. Yes. And they form a relationship, and that's kind of what the movie's about. Mm -hmm. um, so, Derek, you re recommended we watch this. Why did you pick this film? First and foremost, I love this movie. I could talk about all the ways that I love this movie for days. So, uh, you know, good luck editing this down. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, as you guys know, I was having a hard time picking a film, and I ended up picking this one because I, it's also personal to me and personal to my acting journey. Um, I didn't grow up acting. I didn't grow up in the arts at all. I was an athlete and a student, and that was kind of it. Um, and then this movie came out, and immediately I started getting compared to this actor and this character. Um, I think I, I looked a little bit like a young Matt Damon. We have a similar vocal quality. So right then, just that comparison started putting acting somehow into my head somewhere in the background. Right. And then, uh, yeah, Will Hunting. I, I think I, I was going through some stuff as a young man, and I, I was... Uh, doing well in a lot of things, showing a lot of potential, but also screwing it up from some, some <laughs> behavioral things. So that's, that's how that comparison came by. Um, and then once I got into my acting career, again, partially because I think Goodwill Hunting had planted this seed. Um, one of my biggest uh, roles that I ever booked, which actually never saw the light of the day, which is one of these things that happens in acting. There's so many hurdles to things, but um I was, I was just starting out my career. I had only done a very small role on Criminal Minds and I was auditioning. I got very lucky that I got to audition for a series regular role on uh, what was a Lifetime pilot, it's called. So a new show coming on the Lifetime, the regulars are the main characters. And that's a huge, that's a quantum leap. Yeah. Going from just a co-star to a series regular. So even having that opportunity was amazing. But through that process, I had nothing on my resume. So I wrote in there, does Matt Damon impression or whatever. I didn't even know what that meant exactly. So the casting director in the first session goes, Oh, what's that mean? And I was like, uh, well, I guess I do a little bit of the, the monologue from Goodwill hunting, the NSA monologue. Yeah. She's like, Oh, let me hear that. And so I do the last little bit, which immediately has a bad word in it. So I won't do it for you right now, but <laughs> I figure forget it. Why don't I just shoot my, that one? Right. So I give her that little bit and she loves it. Right. And there's like, there's like no exaggeration. I think I had to audition six times for this. Right. Wow. And every pro through every step of the process, you're meeting new people and every step of the way she'd be like, Hey, 
why don't you give them that goodwill hunting monologue just at the end? And I think it's something that set me apart. I think it's something that made them remember me a little bit more than just everybody doing the same material. And I ended up booking that role. And um, again, it's it's something that never saw the light of day. It didn't get greenlit. It didn't get the approval of, of Lifetime, but it put me into a new stratosphere. It got me so many more opportunities. And so again, I have, I have goodwill hunting to thank for that as well. So those are the, like the personal reasons why. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. You have a, a yeah, that's a big connection, a professional connection yeah. to the film. That's very cool. What about this movie? Do you think is great? Because I number one, I you know I know it's written by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, and I know a lot of people have mixed feelings about those two guys. Um, I think Ben Affleck's actually turned into a really great director. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of his stuff and Ben and Matt Damon's been a, a great actor for a long time. Um, and of course they won an Oscar, as I said before, for writing this, uh, for original screenplay. But I mean, I think the movie is pretty incredible. And, um, what do you guys think about it? Yeah. I mean, I remember really liking it when it first came out and watching it now, um, it still holds up. There's still a lot. Like, I feel like the ultimate kind of lesson in it is pretty universal. So that holds up really well, but. Just really great scenes, really great monologues in this movie, like the yeah. NSA monologue. Great. I love Robin Williams monologue when they're sitting in the park near the beginning, like just really awesome moments like that. Guys, um, Rob Williams is special. He's great just in everything. And he's, you know, his stand up was great. Um, and, you know, he personally, of course, had struggles in his life. Um, but in this movie, he is phenomenal. Um, he does that role so well. He's so believable, and him and Stella, uh, Stellan Skarsgård are both very, very good, even if Stellan Skarsgård is a straight-up creep in this movie. And I did want to mention, that has not aged well. <laughs> Where he's talking to his students. He's hitting on, yeah. all, of the, on all of his young uh, female students. I don't um, think it's supposed to age well, though, right? We're not supposed to see those scenes and think, oh, this is a good guy, right? That's right. Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's not a villain, but he's also not like... That's he, part of what he's doing, right? Uh, yeah, that's part of what I love about this movie is that there isn't a villain. Right? Yeah. I think that we have a tendency now, not only in our, our film storytelling, but in general, our general discourse right now is binary. Mm-hmm. We want everything to be good or evil or Democrat or Republican or whatever it is, right? right. And that's just not what real life is. And to see a movie that handles that so beautifully with complex, real characters who are flawed but not irredeemable mm-hmm. is lovely i i yeah i can say like i said i can sing this movie's praises like till i'm blue in the face robin williams uh to say he's incredible is is understatement i mean what a loss right truly, truly and to see him in a dramatic role i love that i love when we see comedic actors showing because com- comedies don't get their their fair shake uh, mm-hmm. comedy is difficult incredibly yeah. difficult and so to see him you know and especially his comedy which is so high energy and yeah. so outlandish and all these different voices and it's rapid fire and it's blah, yeah. blah 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 and to see him so grounded in this rich emotion is just yeah he's a special talent he's also i mean if the stories that i've heard are true he's a big part of the reason why this movie got made with the budget oh, it got made for I, I believe that they were trying to make it for much less than what they were hoping to get to make it the quality film that they thought it could be. And it came across his desk and he said, I want to do this. And immediately money came pouring in. Oh, very cool. I did not know that. 
Yeah. And I, I think it's really interesting because it is one of those classic Hollywood stories of like these actors going out, you know, it's, it's Sylvester Stallone with Rocky. It was like my generation's version of that, of actors who had like, they were doing pretty well, Mm -hmm. but just things hadn't quite panned out and they got frustrated and they revived. I believe it was a one act that Matt Damon had written while he was at Harvard and they revived this and said, we we're writing this for ourselves. So that, that success story is, is pretty fun. And then you alluded to their career paths after that. They both took really divergent paths after that, where Matt Damon was like, I'm going to do artsy indie flicks and nobody went to see them. He did really great work in them, but nobody went to see them. He almost killed his career. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I think Matt Damon is a really, really underrated actor. I kind of yeah. liken it to like, I always say, if you're watching like Sports Center top 10, you'll see some incredible catches. And then you'll see some catches where the guys like were really good at making it look incredible, but yeah. it wasn't that incredible. And they get to the top 10. Matt Damon makes really difficult catches look routine. Yeah, we don't appreciate him for that reason. Is it just yeah. so simple? And the work he's doing is not, it's not simple at all. But anyway, so he did his like art house thing. And really, yeah. it was the born identity that ended up saving his career bring him back. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Whereas Ben Affleck went the other way. And he's like, I'm gonna do these big budget action films, I'm gonna be this leading man and whatever. And you know, reindeer games. Nobody went and saw it. And I saw it actually, but <laughs> I saw it great. I saw it too, but it wasn't great. And I, I honestly think that Matt uh, Ben Affleck gets a bad rap because I think he was at that point. I don't think he had matured enough as an artist. I think he was playing at like the idea of being a leading man. Where Ben Affleck is a great character actor, and he has so much charisma naturally. That I just think he was not letting himself be himself in those roles. And it's unfortunate because people still crack jokes about Ben Affleck isn't a good actor. It's not accurate. Ben Affleck is a great actor. He just made some bad early career choices and he's more than redeemed himself. You know, people used to say like Matt Damon is the one who really wrote that script or whatever. Ben Affleck has been writing and directing phenomenal movies. I think he's, he's shown yeah. us like a big part of that process. So. Well, and especially writing about growing up in Boston, like the town, I mean, I think I think you're right. Ben Affleck, I mean, I've seen him in some stuff where he's really incredible. And as a director, I think when he's in projects that he directs, he's really incredible, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's really um, mm-hmm. where his talent lies. I mean, he's not my favorite Batman, but <laughs> he's he's still extremely talented. Yeah. Fair enough. Who is your favorite Batman? Uh, well, you know, I have a soft spot for Adam West. Um <laughs> My favorite Batman is Kevin Conroy, but we, we're not here to talk about Batman. Um, <laughs> no Michael Keaton mentioned at all there, though, huh? No, no Michael Keaton no Mike, from Ben. I love Michael Keaton, but not he's not my fa- he's He's my Beetlejuice, okay? Oh. Okay, fair enough. Danny Elfman did the score of this movie. Um, I mean, they have some really heavy hitters that made this film, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty impressive. And it really does make you sit and think after the film. Um it leaves you with a lot, you know, to process, even though all the math could have been ma- totally made up and I would have no idea, but it looked great on film. That's all it, watching this is a nice reminder because, like, you hear a lot of people complain that Hollywood sometimes kind of regurgitates a lot of stuff. They remake a lot of stuff. It's, it can get repetitive, but, like, there can be completely unique, awesome movies that come out that are, like, very popular and also critically acclaimed. So it's a nice reminder to see one of those original movies and be like, no, there's, there is cool stuff coming out. You don't want to get jaded and think they're just going to remake another superhero movie, or they're just going to remake Batman for the 900th time. Like, that's the same thing. <laughs> <you know. laughs> 
there are no new stories, just new ways of telling them. Right. You yeah. unquote, right. Right. I think that we're in a place in Hollywood where movies like this uh, are not being made as mm-hmm. often, or if they are, they're being buried under the eight different million platforms and just the like immense amount of content that we have now. But yeah, the, the, the movies that we go see in theaters when theaters open again, fingers yeah. crossed, are, are usually they're franchisable mm-hmm. and they're based upon some intellectual property that already has a built-in audience because it's all about, it's about the bottom line. They're trying yeah. to make money. And so investing in these one-off stories is, it becomes a little bit more difficult. Um, I would say that in some ways, Goodwill Hunting is a superhero story though. Yes, you're right. <laughs> oh Yeah. 100%. Yeah. We're looking at somebody with this uh, otherworldly talent mm-hmm. trying to make his way through the world. Uh, it's unique in that it doesn't have a, a clearly defined a bad guy, as I said. There are anti-heroes, sort of, but there's not enemies really there. And well, the, the yeah. bad guy is sort of his past, right? Of like what right. he has to overcome. Yeah, it's really just his self-sabotage. But there's really no one in the movie working against him. Right. Other than like him sometimes working Yeah, and himself. even yeah. his friends, you know, it's the struggle of do I want to be comfortable and, you know, do, mm-hmm. do you know, this manual labor job with my friends and hang out and drink beer all day or do I want to do something more with my life? Um, and it's not like the friends are trying to hold him back quite the opposite. You know, there's a big scene where Ben Affleck's like, no, dude, you got to get out of here. You got to like, you know, try to achieve what you can do. And so I thought that that was nice to see, you know, they didn't go with like the bland, like, oh, you know, the people don't want me to try to make something out of myself. You know, they, they really did have realistic characters who actually care for each other, which was nice. There's also the struggle between like, do I just want professional accolades or do I want to fall in love and like have a life with this woman? Like there's that tension too, which is also represented with the two professors. Right, right. Like no one's ever like rooting against Matt Damon. No, no one in his life is like, we like, what is the, how do we define success, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of this story too is it is it the American dream? Is it capitalism or is it uh, matters of the heart and those things? Yeah. And there's the big class divide. And I just thought this film was so brilliantly, even that you'll see theme, uh, scenes juxtaposed throughout it that are like, you'll go from an MIT reunion or uh, at Stellan Skarsgård and Robin Williams are sitting across the table from each other having this like wrestling of the minds and it'll immediately cut to Casey Affleck and uh, Cole Hauser now of Yellowstone fame, yeah. cool to see him still working, great actor, wrestling in this like jump house. And it's just, it's, it's just so thoughtfully done in yeah. every detail. Yeah, and it's interesting because um, there's definitely a lot of play between like the different classes. Obviously, you know, Matt Damon doesn't think he belongs uh, when he's, you know, doing his janitor work. He's always trying to like shirk away from people um, and try to, you know, not, not you know, just trying to hide quite a bit. Versus, you know, when the professors go to try to track him down and they go to that garage and the guys are like, oh, who are these uppity guys? So, you know, the movie does play with that level of, you know, Matt Damon sort of stuck between these worlds of, you know, blue collar versus white collar. Um, And I I do think you're right. That move, the movie does a nice job pitting those worlds against each other. And he has uh, he ends up meeting Sean Robin Williams, who has a foot in both of those worlds as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Who becomes sort of his guide. Exactly. Yeah. It's a beautiful relationship. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. What's that? There's that old Jimmy V speech, you know, the famous speech that he's giving when he had his cancer diagnosis. And, um, you know, we don't talk about the old basketball coach. Mm-hmm. Um, he's talking about things that you need to do every day. Like you need to cry every day. You need to laugh every day. And uh, I can watch this movie and do both of those things yeah. probably nine times in 90 minutes. So, yeah, uh, it, it's it's special to me. It's special storytelling for sure. 
Yeah, even watching it, I mean, I watched it a bunch when it first came out, and then rewatching it, I still cry at all the same parts. <laughs> so, it's also infinitely quotable. Like, yeah, it is. You know, which is fun. There's lines there that you'll remember for life. But, you mm-hmm. know, how about them apples and all of that stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's a good thing that um, they're good actors because so many of those lines could easily have been butchered right especially when matt damon's going like a mile a minute uh reciting either some kind of poetry or you know a reference to some kind of legal case or whatever he's doing or math you know he's going so fast and you can actually see him do a nice job of trying to like act like he's actually thinking about it right not just you know spouting out stuff as fast as he can yeah Um, it's good material and good hands yeah Mm -hmm. exactly and it probably helps that he wrote it to be fair yeah like, I like there's even some awkward lines that they left in, like when Skylar's leaving the bar and she's, you know, says, like, maybe we can go get coffee. And he's like, or we could just go have a bunch of caramels. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Arbitrary is drinking coffee. And it's an awkward moment between. Uh-huh. Them, right. And, I, and then car- caramel come, caramels come back like a couple yeah, times later on in other yeah. scenes. Right. Which totally. Is that was a very realistic moment where she was like, what? All right. And then awkwardly walks out of the bar. <laughs> Which, yeah, totally would happen in real mm-hmm. life. How about a soundtrack that is just littered with Elliot Smith? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> beautiful music as well, I, yeah, which is like kind of weird tonally to me. I've always thought that the music in this film doesn't, it, there's something a little, I don't want to say off about it, but it makes you think. And, yeah. uh, you know, especially now after what happened with Elliot Smith and we know all that, it's, it's yeah, it's like, a, a, it's a thing, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. Another element. I've read, I... I have a copy of the script actually that somebody gave me a long time ago. And there's a, a forward written by Gus Van Zandt and he talks about their writing process. And back then they didn't like flying. They would drive cross country all the time. And that would amount to Ben driving Matt riding shotgun. Cause Matt didn't like driving, which is <laughs> in the end of the film, it actually is him driving. And Gus Van Zandt says, if you see the car kind of moving, it's because Matt Damon's not a very good driver. <laughs> So now I think we're going to move on to our game. So this game is called New Year, New You. The new year coming up, a lot of people use it as an opportunity to uh, set some kind of goal for themselves, whether that's health-wise, career-wise, they set some kind of resolution, right? So we are going to be playing a game that talks about a lot of movies where the main character or one of the characters goes through a huge transformation. The way this is going to work is I'm going to send you... Physical transformation. Sorry, I just want to clarify Physical transformation. You're right. Right mindset. Yeah. Yeah. So the character is going to be going through some huge physical transformation. So the way this is going to work is you guys are going to be working together. Ben has not seen the movies. Derek has also not seen the movies. I'm going to send each of you a list of, I believe it's seven movies. And you're going to take turns getting each other to guess them. So you're going to have the movie title and you're going to have the character in that movie who went through the transformation. You have to try to get the other person to guess without saying the character's name or the name of the movie. You can say anything. Both the character and the movie title or just one or the other? You just have to guess the movie title. The character's just there so you know which one we're talking about. Because it's not always the main characters. But good question. Um, So yeah, you just have to guess the movie title. But you also cannot say the character's name who is listed. So we have three minutes. Try to get seven movies. I think you guys will do it. And uh, what's our prize, Susan? Our prize, we're still figuring out the prizes. It will probably be some kind of t-shirt, but we will mail it to you, whatever it is. <laughs> I just assume it's going to be awesome, so I'm, I'm really incentivized. It'll be great. It'll be <laughs> awesome. 
It will be delivered by Matt Damon. Oh, that would be cool. No, no, no. Yeah, do not promise that. (laughs) Yeah, we'll start with Derek, and then we'll go to Ben, and we'll go back. Three minutes on the clock. Everybody ready to start? Yes. All right, go. All right, Jeff Goldblum turns into an insect. The fly. (laughs) All right, uh, this one is a bad guy um, with a lightsaber who needs a breathing apparatus oh uh it's that's darth vader revenge of the sith is the movie that he becomes him that is correct <laughs> yeah. uh okay this is the most famous split personality character of all time the most famous split character uh what else you got uh one of his he has two different titles uh one of them requires a phd maybe <laughs> or to go to medical school oh, uh, dr hyde uh mr jekyll dr hyde um flip him mr hyde dr jekyll I'll give you that. I'll give you that. You got it all there. Uh, this one is um, a, a Batman villain who's get his half, half of his body gets dismembered. Face. Uh, that was in, um, if we're going with the, the most recent one, that's the Dark Knight. Correct. Um, don't feed these things after uh, midnight or pull Lemon. Yeah. Um, these are vehicles that turn into... Uh, Yes, um, and I think that's yeah, it. Got yeah, got it. Okay. Uh, the first Indiana Jones movie. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, all right, you got seven. You still have a minute 30, though, if you want to just see how many you can get. Let's get through this list. Let's, yeah. let's keep going. Um, in this one, a uh, police officer uh, gets... Robocop. Yep. Yes. Um, this uh, film series has the Marshmallow Man. Uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one is directed by Tim Burton, and it's a series of uh, it's a dad telling his son stories, um, and um, it has Danny DeVito in it. It has Ewan McGregor in it. Um, Why is this not ringing a bell? I think it's from about two thousand. Um, we can pass if if you don't know. Oh, keep giving me some. Let's get it. Um, we already, I already got the prize. Yeah, he's got the prize. So if you were to go on a trip, you would take a reel and a boat and you would go with lures. What do you do with lures? Fishing. Yes. And it's not small, but it's. Uh, oh, big fish. Sorry. Big fish is correct. Of course. I should have known that one. All right. Uh, high school girl uh, goes from nerdy to like prom queen. Uh, is it she's all that? Yep. All right. Um, Tim Allen plays. uh, Yeah, he got it. Okay. The Santa Claus. Yep. One more. This was like South African film, sci-fi film, low budget. Uh, Oh, uh, this is nine. And um, I have one more. It's um, Jim Carrey. um, Put something on his face. The mask. Oh, yes. Yeah, you you got it just like the buzzer went off right when you shouted mask. Oh, we got all of them. <laughs> yeah, you did. Good job. <laughs> Derek, you killed it. Nice job. I didn't know Big Fish, though. That was I, that was a tricky one, though, because he, in real life, he doesn't actually turn into a fish, but in the movie, he turns. Yeah. Right. So he does. Yeah. yeah so that's that a great a, that's movie. That's a trick one. We yeah. should talk about that movie. Danny DeVito threw me off. Yeah, I know. <laughs> there's a weird pull of the cast. That's who I think of when I think of that movie. Uh, what do you think of Big Fish? Who do you think of? Danny DeVito. He has such a, a big part. I mean, it's a small part, but it like, yeah. stands out. Well, awesome. Well, congratulations. You did win the prize. You actually got all 14 movies. So congratulations. We will send that to you. Yeah, t-shirt or mug or keychain or... 
Yeah. Whatever we it'll, have laying around. It'll be yeah. <laughs> it'll be something really cool. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, Derek, uh, before we let you go, do you have anything you want to plug? No. Okay. <laughs> go watch What If if you want to. Yeah. Netflix. Why not? Um, yeah, they're not bringing it back already, unfortunately. But uh, still cool that your role had such an impact, though. It's that's very like, cool. I mean, that's that's huge. I think to yeah. be something that affects people that way in a positive way. You know, I think that's really awesome. Life in the Credits is hosted and produced by me, Susan Swarner, and me, Ben Bloom. It's executive produced by Michelle Levin. The music is written and performed by Steve Trowbridge. You can hear more of Steve's music at TrowbridgeSounds.com. The show logo is created by Melissa Durkin. If you'd like to support Life in the Credits and get access to exclusive perks, you can do so at Patreon.com. If you'd like to follow or get a hold of us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Life in the Credits or shoot us an email at lifeinthecredits at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Dang, you look so good. (laughs) 